Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1948-49 season. Uh, this episode, this is sort of a non-podcast, but we'll just go with it. It's more of an update than anything else. Um, I just had a really, it's been a hard week at work, and I've been busy, and the, uh, uh, it's been, um, difficult with the podcast because I've been posting episodes when I should, but Podomatic and iTunes aren't communicating together well for some reason, and so I'll post them on time, and they'll post them, you know, they'll actually show up like 10 hours, 15 hours later, when usually they show up within a few minutes, so it doesn't incline me to release episodes on time when they're already shoving them way off. Who knows when this episode will ever get it released. We'll figure that out. Um, don't worry, I'm not giving up on the podcast or anything. It's just, right now, it's just been kind of hard. And my uh, desktop machine just went down again. And so I'm uh, creating podcasts on my laptop. And my external drive isn't working with beans. Uh, we shall see what I can do about all this. Hopefully get something running here. Um, anyway, just know that uh, the podcast is having some issues and we will try and keep episodes posted. Luckily, I just checked and uh, some of the episodes I need to be able to get to, I can uh, get to. They're on my uh, laptop, so we should be okay here for a week and hopefully by then I can uh, get my desktop working better. Um, anyway, let's let's do a poll, though. I'm not going to present the information from last poll. We'll... Uh, I'll talk about that on when I'm feeling more like talking about it, like on Tuesday or, or later or something. But for this poll, uh, let's have it be, let's talk about my intros. Um, do you like my intros? Do you not like my introductions to the episodes? Do you want them shorter? Do you want them longer? I'll try and give lots of choices out there, and you can pick multiple choices too. So if you like two of the choices and, or whatever, go ahead and select two. Um, it's just fine. Uh, anyway. We'll see you folks next time. Oh, and enjoy Jack Benny and the gang. Uh, they'll make me feel better, I'm sure. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. For Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, richer tasting. Fine tobacco. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky Strike. Lucky Strike. This is Don Wilson, friends. Of all the reasons a person has for smoking... One stands at the very head of the list. That reason is enjoyment. Why, certainly, you smoke for enjoyment. And what gives you enjoyment? Why, it's the taste of the cigarette. Yes, smoking enjoyment is all a matter of taste. And the fact of the matter is, Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky's taste better for two reasons that have really made cigarette history. First, they're made of fine tobacco. L.S., M.F.T., Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Fine, naturally mild, good-tasting tobacco. Then, Luckies are made better. Made round and firm and fully packed to draw freely and smoke evenly. Yes, indeed. Made with fine tobacco, made better. Those are your reasons for always asking for Luckies. Those are the things that make Luckies taste better. 
So be happy. Go lucky. Next time you're shopping, ask for a carton of Lucky Strike. Be happy, go lucky, get better taste today. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, Jack Benny and his cast are returning from their trip to New York. At the moment, they're in Mary's compartment aboard the Super Chief, playing 20 questions. Now, let's see, Mary. We've used up 16 questions, and we found that you're thinking of something that's animal. He's very famous in show business and is over six feet tall. That's right. Oh, I know. Jimmy Stewart. No. Gary Cooper. Yep. Well, we guessed that one. Now, let's see. It's your turn, Dennis. Okay. I got a good one. Is it animal, mineral, or vegetable? It's animal, I think. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Is a bird considered an animal? Certainly. Hey, Mary. Mary, this silly kid just gave himself away. Watch this. Uh, tell me, Dennis. Is it a bird? Uh-huh. You see, Mary? You see? Yeah. Dennis, is this bird extinct? No. Is, um, is this bird found in America? Yes. A sparrow? No. Robin? No. Wait a minute, Dennis. Is this a very large bird? Uh-huh. An eagle? No. <laughs> a buzzard? No. Look, Dennis... Wait a does minute, Don. Wait a minute, Don. Hold it, hold it. I think I've got it. Dennis, does this bird go to Capistrano quite frequently? Yes, yes. It's a swallow. No. <laughs> no? No. Does everybody give up? I do. Oh, I give up. Me too. What is it? Walter Pigeon. Walt, Walter Pigeon? Dennis, how can you say he's a bird? I read in the paper where he just flew to New York. <laughs> All right, Dennis, you, you thought he was a bird because his name is Pigeon and he just flew to New York. But how can you say that he frequently goes to Capistrano? His mother lives there. <laughs> Dennis, that's the silliest thing I ever heard. Jack, it's your turn now. I know, and I've got a good one. You'll never guess this one. Go ahead, all you smart guys. Start guessing. Okay, Jack. Is it animal, mineral, or vegetable? Animal. Is it alive? Yeah. A human being? Yes. Has it got a mustache? Yeah. Bald? Bald? Yeah. I got it. No, it couldn't be. Wait, who are you thinking of? My girl, but you don't know her. <laughs> Come on, come on, kids. Put on your thinking cap. Well, let's see. He's a man with a mustache. 
Is he in show business? Yes. Does he make pictures? Yeah. One of his pictures currently showing? Uh-huh. I know. He's Herman Quigley, the assistant cameraman on the Humphrey Bogart's new picture, Beat the Devil. Gee, that's right. But how in the world did you ever guess Herman Quigley? It was obvious. What do you mean, obvious? Yeah, just before you went to New York, you ran into him at the Brown Derby. He'd forgotten his wallet. You loaned him a dollar and a half, and he's been on your mind ever since. <laughs> yeah. Gee, I hope he pays me back the money. Look, his watch doesn't even keep good time. <laughs> it's your turn, Don. Oh, you better skip me for a few minutes. I want to go back to my compartment and see if the porter took all the dishes out. Now, why is it whenever we're on a train, you never eat in the diner? You always have your meals served in your compartment. My wife makes me do that. Why? She doesn't want people to see what a pig I am. <laughs> well, hurry back, Don, so we can continue with the game. Okay. Hey, kids. Kids, I'm glad Don's gone. I've got a trick I want to play on him. Yeah, yeah, what is it? What is it? Well, you know Don. He's always thinking about lucky strikes. So when we play the game again and it's his turn, he's sure to pick luckies. And we'll make believe we can't guess it. What makes you so sure he'll pick lucky strikes? Because he never thinks of anything else. In fact, when he went on his honeymoon, he registered at the hotel as Don Wilson and Cigarette. <laughs> so remember, when he comes back, we'll trick him. Gee, Mr. Benny, do you think that's much fun? You mean tricking Don? No, going on a honeymoon with a cigarette. <laughs> oh, <I laughs> oh, keep quiet. Hey, that's him. Now, don't forget, kids. Come in. Oh, it's Bob Crosby. Hiya, Jack. Hello, Denny. Hello, Mary. Say, Bob, where have you been keeping yourself? Oh, I've been the, uh, in the lounge with Bagby, Fletcher, and some of the other boys in the band. We're playing a game called uh, Two Questions. No, no, Bob, you mean 20 questions. No, two questions, ginger ale or straight. <laughs> well, that I should have known. I haven't seen Bagby since he fell off at Kansas City. <laughs> Coming or going? <laughs> oh, he fell off going, too? <laughs> Bagby got back on. Remley missed the train entirely in Chicago. Well, you can blame that on Jack's program. Blame it on my program? Yeah, they keep singing Be Happy Go Lucky and Remley overdoes it. <laughs> well, look, Bob, whether he overdoes it or not, as soon as we arrive in Los Angeles, we're going right to the studio for rehearsal. And if he isn't there, I'm going to dock him two weeks' salary. Oh, you can't scare Rem with that kind of stuff. You know, he comes from a very wealthy family. Remley, I didn't know that. Why, certainly. His father made a fortune growing sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes? He's got the biggest yam plantation in Texas. Ooh, what he said. <laughs> he said yam. Oh. <laughs> Say, Jack, I've been, uh, I've been meaning to ask you, why have you got that black band on your arm? Well, tomorrow is March 15th, you know. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, I better get back and check on the fellas. Uh, I'll see you all later. I right, so long. long, Bob. Now, Dennis, while we're waiting for Don, how about letting us hear the song you're going to do on next Sunday's show? All right, but I'd like to dedicate the song to my girl. 
Your girl? Okay. What's the name of the song? How you fix for blades? <laughs> now cut that out! And just do your song. Okay. An Irishman, an Irishman will steal your heart away. He'll bedevil you and beguile you with his hullabaloo belay. When that rogue turns on the brogue, your heart will go astray. Oh, an Irishman, an Irishman will steal your heart away. An Englishman has manners, an Englishman has charm. They say it's truly difficult to raffle his aplomb. He'll hold you and he'll kiss you, but wherever he may be. At four o'clock, he'll have to stop to sip a cup of tea. But an Irishman, an Irishman will steal your heart away. He'll be devil you and beguile you with his hullabaloo belay. When that rogue turns on the brogue, your heart will go astray. Oh, an Irishman, an Irishman will steal your heart away. Italian men are fiery. Italian men are warm. And when they love, they love with all the fury of a storm. But you can turn the flame to ice and make them run for life. For all you got to do is eat a spaghetti with a knife. But an Irishman, an Irishman will steal your heart away. He'll bedevil you and beguile you with his hullabaloo belay. When that rogue turns on the brogue, your heart will go astray. Oh, an Irishman, an Irishman will steal your heart away. A Frenchman is romantic, and the French have savoir-faire. When he makes love to you, it's always traitoré de bonheur. <laughs> He'll say to you, toujours l'amour, my life on you depends. But next day he'll be making love to two of your best friends. But an Irishman, an Irishman will steal your heart away. He'll bedevil you and beguile you with his hullabaloo belay. When that rogue turns on the brogue, your heart will go astray. Oh, an Irishman, an Irishman will steal your heart away. The German man is steady. The German man is smart. For he'll come around and around again to win the Fraulein's heart. But you can lose him easily and make him hide his face. When he comes around to see you, tell him, This is not the blade! <laughs> an Irishman, an Irishman will steal your heart away. He'll bedevil you and beguile you with his hullabaloo belay. When that rogue turns on the brogue, your heart will go astray. Oh, an Irishman, an Irishman will steal your heart was very, very good, Dennis. I know it'll be fine on the show Sunday. Oh, kids, that must be Don Wilson. Remember, remember the trick we're going to play on him. Oh, what is it again? Well, when it's his turn, you know, he's sure to give us Lucky Strike. So nobody guess it. Nobody guess that it's Lucky Strike. Come in. 
Hi, kids. You still playing 20 questions? Yes, Don, and you're just in time. It's your turn. Oh, good. I've already got something on my mind, so start guessing. Okay. Get this, Mary. Don, is this thing you're thinking of nearly three inches long, about a half an inch thick, and white in color? Yes, yes. Is it round and firm and fully packed? Yes, yes. Oh, it's amazing the way you people are guessing it. Isn't it, though? <laughs> is it free and easy on the draw? Yes, yes. Now, come on, now. Come on, come on. You're getting warm. You're getting warm. An electric blanket. <laughs> No. Gee, I, I thought it was an electric blanket, too. Didn't you, Mary? Yeah. <laughs> well, look, Don, is this thing you're thinking about associated with the letters L-S-M-F-T? Yes, 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 that's it, yes. Now, let's see. Gee, this is too hard. I give up. I do, too. <laughs> Me, too. Oh, for heaven's sakes, kids, how can you possibly give up when you're so close? Why, when you guessed it was almost three inches long, white in color, I was sure you knew what it was. Well, we don't, Don, do we, Mary? Come on, tell us, what is it? Oh, all right. It's a piece of chalk. <laughs> Uh, a piece of chalk? Don Wilson, you were thinking of a lucky strike and you know it. No, I wasn't, Jack. Now, wait a minute. I'll admit that chalk is white and can be three inches long. I'll also admit that it's round and firm and fully packed. But how in the name of Dorothy Collins are the letters LSMFT associated with a piece of chalk? But they are, Jack. LSMFT stands for Leibowitz, Sanders, McIntyre, Finley, and Teitelbaum. The biggest chalk manufacturers in the world. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> You're not mad, are you, Jack? <laughs> no, no, Don. No, I'm not mad. In fact, I've, I've got to give you credit. You've got a lot of brains. But then it takes a lot to fill that big, fat head of yours. <laughs> Talk maker. Oh, come on. Let's get on with the game. Whose turn is it now? Nobody's. I'm not playing anymore. I'm going to the club car and read for a while. See you later. Hmm. Largest chalk manufacturers in the world. Don just made that up. Leibowitz, Sanders, McIntyre, Finley, and Teitelbaum. That's almost as far-fetched as Batten, Barton, Durston, and little old Osborne. <laughs> oh, well. Be happy, go lucky, be happy, go lucky. Lucky strike today. Hey, we'll be in Albuquerque soon. Gee, that'll be a $126 worth of my ticket used up. <laughs> Be happy, go lucky, be happy, go... Gee, I didn't think the club car was so... Whoops. Oh, oh, pardon me, lady. Why, certainly. Say, aren't you Jack Benny, aren't you? Yes, yes, I, I am, I am. Mr. Benny, would you mind autographing this magazine for my granddaughter? 
Your granddaughter, I'll be glad to. There you are. Are you going to Los Angeles? Yes, I'm going to visit my son in Beverly Hills. Perhaps you know him. He's a competitor of yours. Oh, is he a comedian? No, he owns a laundry. <laughs> He's an awfully good boy. He's having me come all the way out from Chicago just to celebrate my birthday. That's tomorrow. Oh, how nice. <laughs> Happy birthday. How old, how old will you be? 39. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're teasing me. Huh? Yes, I am. I'm really 72. Well, then why, why do you tell people you're 39? It gets laughs. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. Well, goodbye, and thanks for the autograph. You're welcome. Goodbye. Uh, that's my fountain pen. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm terribly sorry. Here you are. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Gee... For an old lady, she's got eyes like a hawk. <laughs> be happy, go lucky, be happy. Lucky strike today. Yeah, California's sure a nice place to live, Sam. Oh, oh, there's Rochester. He's in there talking to the porter. I'm going to stay here and listen to this. Uh, how long have you been working for Mr. Benny Rochester? Twelve years, six months, and fourteen weeks. Well, how come you know the time so exactly? My friend, when you're in Mr. Benny's employ, you don't get money, you get service stripes. <laughs> well, Rochester, if he ain't paying you much, why don't you leave him? Oh, I'd never leave Mr. Benny. He may have his faults, but deep down inside, he's the kindest man I know. Really? Yeah, I'll never forget the time I had pneumonia. I was so sick. For a full week, I had 105 fever. And all that time, Mr. Benny stayed right with me, fed me, and nursed me. No kidding. And then at 2 o'clock one morning, I passed the crisis. My fever broke, and my temperature went down to normal. Mr. Benny looked at me, smiled, and said, Rochester, you're going to be all right. Then he yanked me out of bed and shoved a broom in my hand. <laughs> You know, Rochester, this isn't the first time Mr. Benny's been on one of my cars. I've made the trip with him cross-country several times. Man, it's murder. I know. Oh, I don't mind the fact that he don't tip much, but whenever he's aboard, the train's always 15 or 20 minutes late. Now, a couple of years ago, he insisted that the train make an unscheduled stop at Newton, Kansas. Then once he made a stop for half an hour at Gallup, New Mexico... Once he set the super chief back a whole hour when he got off at Trinidad, Colorado. And this trip, I heard him tell the conductor to make another unscheduled stop. At Flagstaff, Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Has he got relatives in all those places? No, bank accounts. <laughs> I wish he wouldn't discuss my private affairs. Rochester, I can't understand why Mr. Bennett keeps saving his money like that. He's not married, he's got no family, no children. Who's he gonna leave it to? What makes you think he's gonna leave it? 
Rochester. Oh, hello, boy. Oh, 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 yes. Rochester, I heard what you were saying. And if you don't behave yourself, you're not going to get that new gold stripe this year. (laughs) I'll be up in the club car in case you want to see me. Yes, sir. Yeah, I had a good time in New York. Looked up all my old friends, ate in those wonderful restaurants. My sponsor was so nice to me. I spent over 20 minutes in his office. He let me sit down this time. (laughs) He's a nice guy. And be happy, go lucky, be happy. strike today. Oh, look at that cute little boy. Hello, little boy. Hello, mister. What's your name? My name is... Say, aren't you Jack Benny? Why, yes, yes, I am. I recognized you from your television show. Really? Uh Uh-huh. I saw that one with Liberace, and it was great when you played your violin. Thanks very much. Thanks? I mean, you're thanking me for playing the violin? Yeah, the next day my mother let me stop taking lessons. <laughs> hmm. Well, goodbye, little boy. Goodbye, Mr. Benny, and thanks again. You're welcome, you're welcome. <laughs> Gee, the club car's crowded. Oh, there's a vacant seat next to that man over there. Excuse me, mister. Do you mind if I sit here? No, 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 no. Not at all. Glad to have company. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, here's a late newspaper. I think... Uh... Sure is exciting out on the road. I'm traveling for Watson's woolen underwear. <laughs> Watson's woolen underwear? Oh, sure. You must have heard of us. We advertise on the radio. Really? Mmm, Watson's woolens fit you snug, keep you warm as a bug in a rug, one flat button instead of two. Watson's woolens are the buy for you. (laughs) Oh, yes, I... I know that program. It features Spade Cooley and his itchy seven. (laughs) How's business? Not so good. Was even bad in Chicago last week. Chicago's always been a great underwear town. Windy city, you know. (laughs) I know what you mean. Oh, are you in underwear, too? Not today. It's a little warm. (laughs) Have you been in the underwear business very long, Mr. Mr. March? Mr. March, have you been in the underwear business very long? No. Just a few months. I used to travel for the firm of Leibowitz, Sanders, McIntyre, Finley, and Teitelbaum. <laughs> oh, yes, the chalk manufacturer. Hey, you've been around. Oh, I've traveled quite a bit. Well, so long, Mr. Marsh. So long. Enjoy talking to you, and don't forget. Mm, Watson's woolens fit you snug, keep you warm as a bug in a rug. I won't forget. One I flat won't... button instead of two. Watson's woolens are the buy for you. Tickle, 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 tickle. <laughs> Gee, what an eager beaver. <laughs> well, I think I'll go to bed. We arrive in Los Angeles so early. Yeah, no doubt about it. You sure have an interesting job, Sam. 
Hmm, Rochester's still talking to that porter. Yeah, you're right, Rochester. I've been across the continent over a hundred times. Gosh, you must know every inch of it. Yeah, and America's an amazing country. It has Harlem on the East Coast, Central Avenue on the West Coast, and all that waste in between. Ain't <laughs> it the truth? Well, Sam, don't forget our date. The first Saturday night you're in Los Angeles, we'll go out with those two girlfriends of yours. Okay. First we'll have dinner, and then we'll take them to the Hollywood Bowl. But, Rochester, this time of the year, there's nothing going on at the Hollywood Bowl. We'll change that. <laughs> oh, Rochester. Uh, oh, yes, boss. I'm going to bed. Make sure that my luggage is all ready when I get off tomorrow. I will. Good night, boss. Good night. Oh, uh, Mr. Benny. Yeah? Are you going to get off at Los Angeles or Pasadena? Pasadena. I always get a bigger reception there. <laughs> Good night. Good night. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, here's a reminder from the National Highway Safety Council. When driving, remember that courtesy is contagious. The careful driver always considers the careless driver. The golden rule applies to driving, too. Drive as you would have the other fellow drive. And please remember, when you're in your car, be a wise driver, not a wise guy. Thank you. Jack will be back in just a minute, but first... Do you remember the winner of last year's $25,000 Tamashaner golf tournament, Lou Worsham? Here he is to get a word in wedge-wise. Hello, folks. The club that I have in my hand is a double-service wedge. You'll remember that I made one of the most lucrative shots that I have ever made with this club. During the Tamashaner tournament, I used this club at the last hole from 115 or 20 yards away and made one of the luckiest shots for my whole life. Other golfers might have chosen an eight or a nine iron to play this shot. To me, the wedge has been one of my favorites. On that day, that was a lucky choice. And when it comes to cigarettes, my choice, luckies. They taste better. Lou Worsham is right. Smoking enjoyment is all a matter of taste. And the fact of the matter is, luckies taste better. Because Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, and Luckies are made better. So be happy, go lucky. Ask for a carton of Lucky Strike. Luckies taste better, cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky Strike, Lucky Strike. Well, Rochester, here we are home again. Yeah, four weeks is a long time. Believe me, I, I got sick and tired eating at those restaurants. It's good being home. I'm a little hungry. How about a nice home-cooked meal? Okay, boss, I'll do it right now. Good. What are you going to fix me? Well, I'll fix you some veal cutlets with sour cream. Mm-hmm. A side dish of asparagus with sour cream. Mm-hmm. A nice baked potato with chives and sour cream. Uh. And for dessert, strawberries and sour cream. <laughs> But, Roger, why does everything have to have sour cream? When we left, I forgot to stop the milk. <laughs> well, go ahead and fix it. Good night, folks. 
Drive Journey program is written by Sam Perrin, Milt Josephsberg, George Balzer, John Tackerberry, Al Gordon, Hal Goldman, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Marks. The Jack Benny program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. First in recorded music and first in television presents the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. Here is a Phil Harris Alice Faye show transcribed, written by Jack Douglas and Marvin Fisher, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Janine Roos, and Whitfield, the orchestra under the direction of Skip Martin, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. First, a word from RCA Victor. Your daily papers tell you that RCA always leads the way with new and startling developments. And that applies also to your gas or electric kitchen range. Just take a look at the beautiful new RCA Estate Space King Ranges. They're only 30 inches wide, but packed full of big range features. In Space King Gas Ranges, for instance, RCA offers the exclusive finger lift broiler. You set the pan at five different heights simply by touching a lever. There's an electric clock, too, with a four-hour minute alarm, two appliance outlets, and those unique disposa bowls aluminum throwaway burner bowl inserts to catch spillovers. And all RCA Estate Space Kings have the supersized 24-inch oven and double-thick insulizer walls to keep your kitchen cool. See the new RCA Estate Space King ranges, priced as low as $149.95 at your dealers now. Now the stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Fay and Bill Harris. <laughs> Although most of us make an honest effort to lead a well-ordered life, sooner or later it seems inevitable that some of us have a brush with the law. This unwelcome contact with the forces of justice has recently occurred to Phil Harris. And to say that he's worried is a vast understatement. Now, tell it to me right from the beginning, Curly. I don't quite understand it. Well, it happened just like I said. I came home this afternoon, and I was just lucky that I noticed before I turned into the driveway that there was a uniformed state policeman. He was the biggest cop you ever saw on the front porch, and he was pounding on my front door with a service revolver. Gee, sounds like he meant business. Yeah, and what's more, he's been back four times since. Well, look, Curly, there's no reason for you to get all panicky and scared. I'm not panicky and scared. Besides, I like it here under the front porch. <laughs> but, Curly, it, it's so uncomfortable under here. Oh, it is not. You just got to get used to it. 
We've got plenty to eat since I thought of having Alice lower sandwiches to us on a rope. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's pitch black under this front porch. You can't see a thing. And I don't like to eat in the dark like this. Oh, why not? Because the cobwebs stick to the roof of my mouth. <laughs> That's peanut butter. That's what you say. In the dark, I could be eating anything. Well, you quit complaining. The food is very good. Those little stuffed olives were delicious. Curly, we didn't have no olives. <laughs> We didn't? Uh-uh. Well, how do you like that? All them little leather buttons on my vest are gone. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. We didn't have any spaghetti either, did we? Why do you ask? The drawstring on my shorts is missing. <laughs> so is mine. must have had a second help. Wait! <laughs> hey, Curly, maybe it's dark outside now. Why don't we crawl over to the peephole and see if the coast is clear? Okay, okay, start crawling. Hold it a minute. What's that? It's okay, it's okay. It's Alice knocking out another message in Morse code. <laughs> Gee, can you read Morse code? Well, not very well. It's been a long time since I was a Boy Scout, but... If she doesn't send the message too fast, I might be able to... Uh-oh, hold it a minute. Listen. What'd she say? What'd she say? Well, um, if I deciphered it correctly, either they're having a lace panty sale at the May Company or the gardener is here with the Vigoro. <laughs> Or maybe they're having a lace Vigoro sale and the gardener is here with the panties. All right. <laughs> hey, Curly, it's all dark outside now. Let's make a break for the back door. Okay, come on. We'll make a run for it. Right. Look, Alice, you mean to tell me that that policeman was back again? He's been back three times, Phil. And the last time, he seemed pretty serious. Well, didn't he say what he wanted? He said he wanted you. I knew it. Elliot, are the shutters closed? Shutters closed. Blinds down? Blinds down. Drapes drawn? Drapes drawn. Front door secure? <laughs> Front door secured. <laughs> Roger. Oh, Phil, you're acting like a child. Oh, I am, am I? Look, when them policemen come after you four times in one day, they mean business. But, Phil, you've got to be guilty of something first. What is it you've done? Well, I'm not sure. What do you mean you're not sure? Well, I might have done something I don't know nothing about. <laughs> I have lapses of memory. Periods when I don't remember what happened. Gee, that's serious. How often do you black out? Every time I get a hold of a spoiled ice cube. <laughs> Last time it happened was on a Saturday, and I don't remember anything from 10 o'clock until 2 in the morning. Didn't you even know where you were? No, but when I got home, I had two pounds of dates and a live camel. 
one hump. <laughs> hey, Curly, let's face it. That cop wouldn't be rapping on your door unless he was after you for something. Now, come on now. See if you can think of something you've done. Well, okay. I thought I could get away with it, but now that I'm trapped, I'm... I may as well confess. Phil. Well, it's true. I didn't want you to know, but... I've cheated the city of Beverly Hills out of thousands of dollars. Since 1942, I've been putting peppermint lifesavers in the parking meters. Curly, how could you do that? It wasn't easy. Many's the time I got a blister on my tongue before I licked them down the side. Didn't all those wet lifesavers jam up the meters? No, but the cop who makes the collections has got such sticky hands he has to steer his motorcycle with his feet. You know something, Curly? I met that cop yesterday. He wrote me out a ticket, but he couldn't hand it to me. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt you and Hans Christian Anderson, but that policeman is coming up the front walk right now. Well, he'll never take me alive. I got a plan how I can escape. I'm going to cut a trap door in the living room floor. Phil. That's what I'll do. I'll cut a trap door in the floor, and then I'll lower myself down into the rowboat. Phil. Then I'll row that rowboat up to Smuggler's Cove and hide. Oh, Phil, be sensible. We're in Encino. We're 15 miles from the ocean. How are you going to row a boat to Smuggler's Cove? Don't worry, I'll do it. <laughs> Maybe so, but it'll be uphill all the way. <laughs> Look, Curly, you can't get the... Let him come. He can batter the door down, but I'll never give myself up. Curly, why don't you do the only sensible thing? What's that? Well, this is do-it-yourself week. Why don't you cut your throat? <laughs> Oh, that's a pretty thing. I'm on my way to prison and he's making jokes yet. Look, Elliot, Phil, let me... Phil, you've got to face this thing sooner or later. I'm going to let that officer in. Alice, no, Alice! Alice, wait! Wait! Uh, good evening, ma'am. Sorry to bother you again, but I'm still looking for Mr. Harris. Has he come home yet? Yes. Officer, this is my husband right here. Are you Mr. Philip Harris? Yes, sir. I mean, yes, sir. <laughs> Excuse me, I've been taking Jeanette McDonald pills. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Harris, we've come to... He didn't do it, officer. He didn't do it. I did it. I don't know why I did it, but I did it. I'm guilty, I tell you. Guilty. 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 Forgive me, I've been taking Kirk Douglas pills. <laughs> Mr. Harris, under the Motor Vehicle Bureau Code number X18596735-J... You are guilty of not renewing your driver's license. Oh. Oh, you mean, you mean that's all that's wrong? Uh, uh, sir, uh, uh, Lieutenant, uh, your lawyer, dear? <laughs> Please, Mr. Harris, stop kissing my hand. You're resting my Captain Braddock cufflinks. <laughs> oh, oh, well, I'm sorry. Uh, I hate to disagree with an officer of the law, but I, I think that you'll find that I already have renewed my driver's license. Here, take a look for yourself. Mm hmm. Hmm, yes, I see. Well, Mr. Harris, do you realize how long it's been since you've renewed this? Well, it seems like just a little while ago. Really? Mr. Harris, look what's printed in the lower left hand corner of this license. 
good for covered wagons only. <laughs> Gee, that's right, Curly. And look what it's printed on. Buffalo hide. <laughs> well, if it was good enough for my grandfather, it's good enough for me. Mr. Harris, His Honor Judge Johnstone has kindly consented to give you an appointment this afternoon at 2 o'clock in room 784 at the courthouse. I do hope we haven't inconvenienced you, Mr. Harris, and if we have, please accept our heartfelt, sincere, and abject apologies. Good day, sir. And we mean business, you New Orleans wetback! <laughs> I hope when he gets back to the station He finds that Jack Webb has eaten his lunch <laughs> Hey, Elliot You know something? That judge looks like a pretty tough guy Maybe I should have got a lawyer What are you worried about, Kurt? Well, supposing that judge don't like musicians Then I'm gonna be dead now, when he asked me what I'd do for a living, how can I tell him I'm nothing but a drummer? We'll use the high-class word for drummer, Curly. Tell him you're a percussionist. <laughs> hey, that's a good idea. Yeah, I'll tell him that All I'm... All right, let's have some quiet here. This is the Traffic Violations Bureau, and the judge's time is limited. When your number is called, step up and answer the question quick. And I don't mean quick. Case number 46. Your name, please? Clark. Your first name? Gertrude. Occupation? Housewife. Violation? Driving through a red light. $30, next case. Come on, let's get things moving here. <laughs> case 47. Name? Harris. First name? Phil. Occupation? Percussionist. Spell it. I'll go put a few more nickels in the parking Wait! I have a list of your violations right here in front of me, Harris. On June the 3rd, 1947, you tore off both your fenders by driving your brand-new Austin under an oil truck. Well, Judge, he was such a nice, polite truck driver, I thought sure he'd spread his wheels. Here's another violation. On February 8th of the same year, you endangered other drivers' lives on the new freeway. You were in a 50-mile-an-hour lane, and you were only going eight miles an hour. How do you know? The arresting officer said your foxtail was limp. <laughs> All right, Harris, how do you explain that? They're just not putting the material in them. <laughs> Furthermore, on July 17, 1951, you were apprehended for speeding. I don't remember speeding. Well, we do. It's clearly posted that 25 miles per hour is the speed limit in the coconut grove of the Ambassador Hotel. <laughs> Curly, you were driving an automobile in the coconut grove? I couldn't see where I was going. I told them guys at the service station to put them Venetian blinds in the back window of the car. <laughs> also... You have not bothered to renew your driver's license for some years. Mr. Harris, do you realize the seriousness of your situation? You mean, Judge, he might even have to put up bail? Say, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Harris, are you prepared to put up $2,000 bail? 
Have you got $2,000? Gosh, no. Well, uh, how about some friend? Uh, you used to work for Jack Benny. A rich man like that, I'm sure, would never miss $2,000. <laughs> well, Mr. Harris, he is a rich man, isn't he? Rich? Judge, one day he drew out all of his money out of the Bank of America and it slowly sank into the ground. <laughs> They're still picking up survivors. <laughs> No, Judge, Curly couldn't ask him for any money. Besides, Mr. Benny is saving every cent he can get. Yeah, that's very commendable. But doesn't he realize that he can't take it with him? Oh, yeah. But last week, Mr. Benny went over to Lockheed and bought himself a new jet stratoliner. Why? Well, he knows he can't take it with him, but he's hoping he can fly high enough to throw some over the fence. <laughs> Mr. Harris, the court can expect no bail from you. Well, uh, I'm afraid not, Judge. I'm, I'm just going to have to throw myself on your mercy. Hmm. Well, I'll give you a break, Mr. Harris. Here's a list of driving schools. When you bring me a diploma from one of them, I'll reconsider your case. Oh, gee, Judge. Oh, gee, thanks. I thought you were going to send me to Boys Town. <laughs> Hey, look at this list the judge gave me. I didn't know Los Angeles had so many driving schools. Look at that. Let me see the list, Curly. Hmm. Acme, Atwell, Adams, Abruzio, Ackerman. Abruzio? Hey, yeah. <laughs> Say, you don't think that could be one of Julius Abruzio's relatives? Well, it's Dominic Abruzio's driving school. It could be. Look, if it is Julius's relation, he ought to give me a special price, huh? Yeah. Hey, let's go down to the grocery store and ask Julius. Yeah. Come on. Thanks very much, Mrs. Fisher. I put them eggs on the top of the sack so they wouldn't break. Next! Oh, uh, hi, Julius. Hello, Julius. Well, what do you two shoplifters want? <laughs> no, no, Julius, look, I want you to listen to me carefully. I have a, a, a very important question to ask you. Uh-uh, Mr. Harris, no more cooking sherry on credit. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Julius. The reason I use all that cooking sherry is for a purpose. Alice uses all the empty bottles to make lamps. What's she gonna light up, the Carlsbad Tavern? <laughs> hey, Julius, you got a relative who runs a driving school? Sure, my cousin, Dominic Abruzio. Oh, yeah? Dominic, huh? Well, look, uh, silly as this might sound, Julius, I got to, I got to prove that, that, that I know how to drive a car safely. Well, why didn't you say so? My cousin Dominic is a perfect teacher. He used to be a race driver in Italy. Three years ago, he won the Italian sweepstakes. I've seen movies of it. Yeah? Yeah. You should have seen him going through Venice at 197 miles an hour. Venice, huh? Gee. All right, wait a minute, kid. How could he drive through a town where the streets are nothing but water? He kept his windshield wiper going. <laughs> I'll accept that. <laughs> I'm 
I'm not sure if this is the type of guy I want to teach. He kept his windshield wiper. I don't want no guy like this telling me. Are you questioning Dominic Abruzio's ability? Maybe you ain't hurt. He won the big California road race last year. He went from San Diego to San Francisco in 14 minutes. <laughs> yeah, here's a picture of the race. Let me see it. Wait a minute. This is a picture of a giant redwood tree with a big hole through the trunk. My cousin took a shortcut. <laughs> he also got a silver cup in the South African cross-country race. Oh, yeah? Hey, wait a minute. I didn't know they had races in South Africa. Ooh, it's a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's where Dominic broke the sound barrier in an automobile. He was going 368 miles an hour across them African plains. 368 miles an hour? My gosh, how does he ever stop? Oh, it's easy. He just drives till he sees a fat elephant. <laughs> You'll be surprised how many fat elephants are walking around Africa with bumpers and rearview mirrors. <laughs> Hey, Elliot, this is Dominic's house. Shall we go right in? Sure, he's home. I can hear him singing. From the vine comes the grape, from the grape comes the wine. I drink a lot of wine, that's making me feel fine. I drink a lot of wine, that's making me feel fine. That's why I stole the wedding bell. <laughs> Hello, Dominic. I'm Phil Harris. I guess uh, Julius called you about me. Show, show some mic. Sit right down for yourself. Uh, I just finished up my lunch. Excuse me, please. I'm going to wash it down with a little wine. <laughs> I drink the Italian away, right from the jug. <laughs> oh, so Pretty good. I think I'm gonna have another one. I better go out and put a couple more nickels in the parking. Elliot! <laughs> now, uh, how long have you been driving a car? Well, Dominic, I... lasagna. Thank you too much. Now, you know, the most important thing when you drive a car, pass it to meat sauce. Thank you too much. You must always got to remember, it's not yourself to watch, but the other fellow who's the drive, pass the olive oil. Thank you too much. <laughs> See, the other fellow, he may not be the same kind of driver like you, so you always got to be on the lookout to pass the spaghetti. <laughs> now, when you step into your car, I can't understand why the spaghetti's so tough and stringy. You're eating my necktie. <laughs> Thank you too much, and pass it to meat sauce. Well, there's no use to wait. My car's right outside, so follow me. We're going to get started with the driving lesson. That's in my car. Ain't she a beauty? 
Hey, Curly, I don't like the looks of this car. No, no, me neither. I don't. Hey, Dominic, uh, what about this car? All the fenders are broken and the front end is all crumpled up. Don't you worry about a thing, kid. Okay. Hey, wait a second. Is this car a Nash? No, it's an O'Nash. Then why are these twin beds in the back seat? <laughs> I made a little mistake yesterday. Backed into a motel. <laughs> Come on, come on, everybody get in. Now, before I start to drive, I think I'm gonna have a little something to eat. Oh, no, Dominic, not again. Do you have to be eating all the time? I don't mind the Caesar salad in the front seat and the bucket of steam clams. But after all, ain't you overdoing it with a hot pizza for a steering wheel? <laughs> don't open the glove compartment. That's a full of soup. <laughs> Fellas, I gotta tell you, I'm a little nearsighted, you see? I lost my glasses, too. But don't you worry, because when I'm behind the wheel, you safe like you in your mother's arms. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. You're gonna drive? Just how nearsighted are you? Oh, it's nothing, nothing. Hey, wait a minute. Where are you going? Well, we gotta start off, all right? I gotta get out and feel around for the white line. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're in great hands. Hey, 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 what's the matter? What happened? Who took the steering wheel? It's gone. You're sitting in the back seat with us. Excuse <laughs> me, I'm gonna climb over. Well, here we go. Hey, Curly, we've been driving half the night with this lunatic. We're lost. He ain't got no idea where he's going, and now the fog is rolling yeah, in. Yeah, I know, I know. Hey, Paisano, look, I haven't made any squawks up until now, but it's dark, and this fog is so thick that you can't see a thing. Now, look, do you know where you're going? Please, shut up your face, please. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. You see that little red light up ahead of us? Well, that little red light is on the back of a truck. We just follow the little red light. Everything's going to be hunky-dooly. Hey, Ellie. Hmm? That makes pretty good sense. That truck must be on the main highway. And I must say, this is a very smooth road. Well, I don't want to worry anybody. But water and seaweed is coming in the window. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Dominic, he's right. This car is underwater. Yeah, we're underwater. It's that lousy little red light, the Menadjafachazul. How do you like that? For the past 14 miles, we've been following the Catalina Ferry. No. Alice and Phil will be back in just a moment. If you're tired of waking up to that, then it's high time you woke up to this. RCA Victor's wonderful new clock radio. It wakes you gently to music. And should you doze off again... 
There's a buzzer that sounds 10 minutes after the radio goes on. This RCA Victor clock radio also has a handy phonojack to plug in your record changer and a special outlet to turn any small appliance on and off automatically. Here is a true electrical servant, a powerful radio with a rich golden throat tone system and a famous Telecron electric clock, all for as little as $39.95. See and hear the wide assortment of clock radios, table models, and portables by RCA Victor, world leader in radio. This is Phil again. Birthdays are usually celebrated by family and friends, but this week the whole country will be singing happy birthday to the Girl Scouts of the USA on their 42nd birthday. Congratulations to the Girl Scouts and the volunteer workers, and don't forget to buy their cookies. Thank you, and good night. Good night, everybody. Included in this program transcribed were Sandra Gould, Leo Cleary, Peter Leeds, Bill Johnstone, and Alan Reed. The part of Julius was played by Walter Tetley. This has been an NBC Radio Network presentation. Listen to the Coloratura Discovery of a Decade. That's the magnificent voice of Roberta Peters, as captured on RCA Victor new orthophonic high-fidelity records. In her new album, this brilliant young metropolitan opera star sings seven dazzling arias. Ask your dealer for the new Roberta Peters album on long play and 45 EP by RCA Victor. And here's more exciting news for music lovers. Camden Records by RCA. $1.89 for 12-inch long play records, 69 cents for 45 EPs. Price to fit the family budget. Plan to entertain every member of your family, Camden offers you your favorite semi-classics, show tunes, and popular standard favorites performed by world-famous artists. For a free listing of Camden Records, write Post Office Box 411-411, Camden, New Jersey. That's Post Office Box 411-411, Camden, New Jersey. Here, Can You Top This? Following John Cameron Swayze and the news on the NBC Radio Network. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1943-1944 season. You've probably been noticing that in the past week or so, we've had quite a few episodes of different programs that are talking about taxes. And some of you might not know, some of you probably do know, but our taxes, of course, currently today are due on April 15th. But back when the radio shows, in the golden age of radio, taxes were due on March 15th. So that's why you have shows about taxes a month earlier than you might expect them because taxes were due a month earlier. I believe what happened, and I don't look this up, this is just from memory, but I believe what happened is one time when our country was in a recession or something, they decided to give people a little extra time with their taxes, so they moved it to April 15th, 
and it's been stuck in April 15th ever since. I think they were meaning to roll it back to March 15th, but they just never did. So that's why it's April 15th now. Uh, this episode is going to focus on uh, taxes, of course, like some of the episodes have. Uh, I think the part that, that's worth the entry to this episode alone is that uh, Phil is going to try and explain Dennis's taxes to Dennis. And uh, that conversation has got to be worth listening to. So, so anyway, I hope you enjoy it, and we'll see you next time. The Grape Nuts and Grape Nuts Flakes program, coming to you from the Naval Air Station at Livermore near San Francisco, California, and starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, Rochester, and yours truly, Don Wilson. say that most folks don't get enough breakfast and they're concerned about it. They want us all to eat a good breakfast and do a better job. Now it turns out the reason why so many people give breakfast the brush is because of the time and cost involved. But if you start your day with moldy rich grape nuts or grape nuts flakes, you solve the whole situation. For these delicious cereals cost only about a penny a serving. And they're so quick to fix, they cost you nothing in time. Now, as you know, nutritionists say that a cereal with whole grain food values is a must for the adequate breakfast. Well, both grape nuts and grape nuts flakes are crammed full of all-around whole grain nourishment, including iron, niacin, and vitamin B1. Proteins, too. So thanks to grape nuts and grape nuts flakes, you can have a good breakfast in about the same time it would take you to sip and run. Eat a good breakfast, do a better job. Enjoy Grape Nuts and Grape Nuts Flakes. scenes of radio and show you how an announcer introduces a comedian to get the program off to a good start. Uh, go right ahead, Don. You see, folks, we announcers depend upon holidays and special events to give meaning to our introduction. That's right, folks. Every introduction has a meaning all its own. For instance, last Thanksgiving, when I introduced Jack, I said, since this is a new Thanksgiving, we bring you an old turkey. <laughs> Uh, that's, uh, that's why Roosevelt went back to one Thanksgiving. He didn't want to hear that joke twice. <laughs> uh, continue, Don. When the Christmas holidays rolled around, I introduced Jack by saying, we can't bring you Santa Claus, but we bring you a man who's holding the bag. Now, uh, now that joke never had a chance. It was given its primary training by Red Skelton, grounded by Abbott and Costello, and washed out by Fred Allen. 
All right, Don, proceed with your lecture on introductions. When I introduced Jack on Washington's birthday, I said, George Washington threw a dollar across the Potomac. We can't bring you that dollar, but we bring you the man who has all the others. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll never forget the reaction to that gag. The audience rose to their feet, bowed their heads for one minute, and sat down again. Continue, Don. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, the various holidays have much to do with introducing a radio comedian. But this is not a holiday. That's right. So for absolutely no reason at all, I bring you Jack Benny. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Again, this is Jack Benny talking, and Don, I agree that today isn't exactly a holiday, but there is a reason for introducing me to these sailors here at Livermore. There is? Why, certainly. I used to be a sailor myself, uh, back in 1917. Oh, uh, did they take men over 38 then? <laughs> Don, how could I be 38 then when I'm only 32 now? I mean, don't, uh, don't let this gray hair fool you. It isn't mine. You know. <laughs> so there. But, Jack, 1917 was 27 years ago. And if you're 32 now, that means you entered the Navy when you were only five years old. I was a daring little devil, wasn't I? <laughs> you know, I, I still have the tattoo of Shirley Temple on my arm. I really have. Anyway, let's get on with but the... But, uh, Jack, you were so young. What could the Navy do with you? They made me an ensign. <laughs> That's what. An ensign at five? They thought I was seven and shut up. <laughs> this, this gray hair fooled them, too, you know. <laughs> And, Don, I wish you wouldn't make me lose my temper while we're here. I'm sentimental about the Navy. Oh, uh, me too, Jack. You know, I wish I were a sailor. I feel that I could put my heart into that uniform. Don. <laughs> Don, you'll never... Oh, your heart. Your heart. <laughs> anyway, we, uh, we better get started with the... Come in. Mr. Benny? Yes? You may not remember me, but I'm Mr. London, the manager of the St. Francis Hotel. Oh, yes. I've been staying there all week. Well, congratulations. We've got a room for you now. <laughs> well, I'm... <laughs> I'm glad. It was a little noisy sleeping in the lobby there, you know? In the lobby? Why, Jack, wasn't it embarrassing getting undressed? Oh, no, Don, no. They have two lobbies, one for men and one for women. <laughs> and what a scramble getting dressed in the morning. Yesterday, I came out of there wearing a commander's pants, an admiral's coat, and a sailor's hat. <laughs> I almost went crazy saluting myself. <laughs> but, Don, no kidding, we have had a very exciting week up here, haven't we? Oh, we certainly have. Especially last Monday night at the Henry Kaiser Shipyards when Mary launched that ship. We had a great time. Well, I was enjoying it until the foreman at the shipyard insulted me. Don, the foreman apologized. He told you he was nearsighted. He didn't try to launch you intentionally. <laughs> it was just a natural mistake, that's all. Hello, Jack. Oh, hello, Mary. How are you? 
going on, boys? Oh, we were just talking about you launching that ship Monday night. Oh, that certainly was a thrill. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And gosh, Mary, the way you socked the boat with that bottle. What a swing. No kidding, Mary. You were terrific, really. The girl who launched that other ship didn't have half the swing you had. She's never been out with a sailor. (laughs) Oh, oh, I guess it's... I guess the proudest moment of my life came when I launched the boat and said, I christen thee the Edward E. Hale. But, gee, Mary, I asked you to try... Don, I told you a thousand times they wouldn't let me call it the SS Grape Nut. <laughs> oh, fine. Don probably wants you to launch it with sugar and cream, you know? But then on second thought, why should he? Grape nuts are for breakfast, not for launch. <laughs> Did that come out of me? Huh? What happened then? What happened? Oh. Oh, brother, those are the kind of jokes that keep us moving from camp to camp. Yeah, but you know, Mary, I can't get over how many boats they've launched here in such a short time and the amount of champagne they have to use. Imagine all that champagne falling into the water. Then that explains it. What? Yesterday, I saw a man fishing, and as he pulled one out of the water, the fish shrugged his fins and said, In my condition, who cares? Mary, it's all right to be silly and don't over, don't overdo it. You know, fish can't talk. Well, this one was so cockeyed, he didn't know what he was doing. Well, that's different. But all in all, it has been an exciting week from the moment we crossed the bay and arrived in San Francisco. Say, Jack, did you notice those huge Navy planes landing on the water? Yes, and I was puzzled by those big things at the bottom where the wheels should be. Uh, What are they? Those are pontoons. Yes, you've seen them before, haven't you? Pontoons? Yeah. Oh, yeah, those are the things the automobiles use in Los Angeles during the rainy season. Well, look who's here. Alice Faye's pinup boy. Hiya, Jackson. Hello, fellas. Well, Phil, it's good to see you. What have you been doing all week? Just fishing and wringing them out. (laughs) What? The first time I ever had champagne with bones in it. Oh. Say, Jackson... You want to know who's stationed at this base? I just saw him on the outside. No, who? Robert Taylor. Robert Taylor? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know he... Mary, come back here. (laughs) No kidding. Phil, I didn't know Robert Taylor was stationed here. Sure, he's a lieutenant. He's a flight instructor. Well, what do you know? Now, I bet he looks handsome in his uniform, huh? Oh, I don't know. I've seen him. When you stop to think about it, he's not so handsome. Well... Maybe not, I don't know. When you stop to think about it, he's not so cute either. Well, you'd know more about that than I would, I know. And when you stop to think about it, he's just another man, that's all. Well. You know, Jack, I think they're crazy. Who? The girls who stop to think about it. <laughs> I should have known you were leading up to something. Bill, <laughs> for heaven's sake, play a band number and get Mary out of this romantic mood. Okay. I was handsome, too, when I was a sailor.
sound. That was Spain, played by Phil Harris and his orchestra. And Phil, I want to tell you something. You've been with me about nine years. The first time I really enjoyed your boys. You well, know? thanks, Jackson, but these ain't my boys. You know, I left my regular orchestra in Los Angeles. Oh. Oh, well, I should have known this wasn't your regular orchestra. These fellows are wearing shoes. You know? <laughs> now, that don't mean nothing. When my boys play, they have a reason for not wearing shoes. They have? Sure. When they come to an eight-bar rest, they got to have something to count on, don't they? <laughs> well, now I've heard everything, you know? Oh, Jack, you're always picking off Phil's orchestra. They must be pretty good. After all, they're working for Slapsy Maxie. I know. What do you think made Maxie Slapsy? <laughs> <laughs> and now, fellas... All right, Jackson, all right. So my band ain't so good. What do you want me to do, fire the boys? Well, it wouldn't be a bad idea, Phil. I mean, give them two weeks' notice. Only two weeks' notice to fire them? Sure. What are you talking about? I gotta give them eight months' notice to learn a new song. <laughs> well, then start now. I want them to know Jingle Bells by Christmas. <laughs> Listen, Jack. What? Phil may be too modest to brag about his orchestra, but he had an offer to play in one of the most exclusive places around here. Really? Where? The Rodale Club. <laughs> Hey, that's a that's a funny name for a night spot. I wonder why they I wonder why they call it the Rodeo Club. Because after you take one drink, they throw you, hog tie you, and brand you to show that you've been waited on. <laughs> well, gee, they must really be doing business. And now, fellas, come in. Mr. Benny? Yes? You may not remember me, but I'm Mr. London, the manager of the St. Francis Hotel. Yes, yes, I know. We have your room ready, but due to the shortage of help, you'll have to make your own bed. Oh, oh, I don't mind making my own bed. Good. Here's a hammer and saw. Get busy. <laughs> Anything to help, you know, I... And now, fellas, as a special tribute to the Livermore Air Base, tonight we're going to... Uh... Hello, Mr. Benny. Hello, Dennis. Uh, as I was saying, fellas, tonight we're going to... How are you? Fine, kid, fine, fine. <laughs> As a special tribute to the Livermore Air Base... Gee whiz, Mr. Benny, you haven't seen me all week and you don't even say, Hiya, Dennis, old kid, old pal. Gee, I'm glad to see you. What have you been doing? Okay, hiya, Dennis, old kid, old pal. Gee, I'm glad to see you. What have you been doing? Nothing. <laughs> Just as I thought. Uh, tonight, fellas, we're going to try Except and... last Tuesday. What? Last Tuesday night, I had a date with a beautiful blonde. Dennis. And oh boy, did I paint the town red. The Bal Tavern, the Gay 90s, the Top of the Mark, and the 1079 Club. Wow. wow. Hey, you. Listen, kid, you, uh. You, uh. <laughs> Dennis, you really were stepping. Did your, um, did your girl have a good time, too? I don't know. She didn't show up. <laughs> well, of all the uh, things... Dennis, there's no fun going to all those places by yourself. There isn't? Of course not. <laughs> and another thing, kid, how can you afford to go to those expensive nightclubs? I don't check my hat. 
Well, how can you save money that way? Jack, this may come as a surprise to you, but when people get their hats back from the check room, they're supposed to leave the girl a tip. Oh. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Say, you know, girls are lucky. They don't have to check their hats. Huh? Of course not. Well, anyway, Dennis, getting back to... Say... I wonder... Stop thinking about it. You'd look silly wearing a lady's hat. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about it at all. I was just thinking how silly it was for Dennis to go to all those nightclubs without his girl. Well, gee, Mr. Benny, I was having so much fun, I didn't even realize she wasn't there. Well, when did you miss her? When I went to kiss her goodnight. <laughs> Well, at least it didn't spoil your evening. I'm glad you got around, kid. Yeah, I went to one place yesterday afternoon where they threw me, hogtied me, and branded me. Oh, the uh, Rodeo Club. No, the Income Tax Bureau. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. March the 15th does roll around. Well, anyway, now that you're here, kid, how about singing a song for the boys, huh? Okay. Okay, well, let's have it. Along on the street, fellas shout, Dear pretty kitty, dear pretty kitty, blue eyes. You can hear him shout every time she goes out, Dear pretty kitty, dear pretty kitty, blue eyes. But she looks at no boy, she's lonely in New York. But she loves a doe boy named Johnny O'Rourke. That's why she'll never hear anyone till he'll shout. I'm here, pretty kitty, here, pretty kitty, blue eyes. Her eyes are like the blue skies of Erin. Her beauty is something quite daring. There's no one as pretty, as pretty as kitty. She's got the whole town staring When she walks along on the street Fellas shout silly ga doosh shinna a ball the blue eyes You can hear him shout every time she goes out silly ga doosh shinna a ball the blue eyes But she goes with no boy She's got her memory Oh, she loves a doe boy Who's now overseas That's why she'll never hear anyone Till he'll shout I'm here, pretty kitty, here Pretty kitty, blue eyes There's no one as pretty As pretty as kitty My darling Kitty sung by Dennis Day for the first time on the air. Dennis, that was beautiful. Thank you. Say, Mr. Benny, I wanted to talk to you about something. You know, when I was at the Income Tax Bureau, I got all mixed up. You did? Why? 
Well, my salary is $35, isn't it? That's right. And because my song only takes two minutes, you told me it amounts to $186,000 a week. That's right, Ken. Then what do I pay tax on, $35 or $186,000? Dennis, $186,000 is a theoretical figure. You're not really getting that much. I'm not? No. No wonder my girl didn't show up. Dennis, let me try to... Wait a minute, Jackson, wait a minute. You better let me handle this. I'll explain this whole thing to the kid. Oh, fine, fine. Now, look, Dennis, theoretically, Jackson is right. What? Now, uh, the $186,000 is your hypocritical, uh, uh, hypothetical compensation. Uh-huh. Uh, which means that your remuneration is based on the limited time of your prod... Produce, prod uh, uh, just skip that. Prod uh, prod productivity. Now, the element is the question to segregate, segregate, uh, 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 segregate, segregate the actual from the supposition. Oh, uh-huh. brother. Now, uh, so summing it all up and then condensing it to simple uh, phraseology, yes. you're a bum. <laughs> Phil. Hypothetical remuneration, phraseology. Phil, for heaven's sake, where did you learn all those big words? Oh, I was up with them all night. And Jackson, the next time you give me a speech like that to read, I'm going to punch you right in the nose. <laughs> Well, just once I wanted people to know that you can pronounce words even though you don't know what you're talking about, you know? Oh, you and your educated writers, you. Come in. Mr. Benny? Yes? You may not remember me, but I'm Mr. London, the manager of the St. Francis Hotel. I know, I know, I know. You lucky man, I now have a room for you completely furnished. Oh, fine, fine, thank you, that's well. I'm glad. Uh, Tell me, do I have a tub? Yes, but if you button your coat, nobody will notice it. (laughs) That I can't understand at all. Oh, my goodness, I forgot to ask him something. I'll get him back. Oh, Mr. London! Mr. London! Here he comes, Jack. Mr. Benny wants to talk to you. Mr. Benny? Yes? You may not remember me, but I'm Mr. Never London. Never mind that! Now, here's what I'd like to know, Mr. London. Do you serve breakfast in the rooms? Why, yes, certainly. You can have anything you want. Good. Now, tomorrow morning for breakfast, I want grape nuts flakes. Why? Ooh, what he said. <laughs> why? I'll tell you why. Because... They're moldy, rich, sweet as a nut, and have whole grain nourishment. That's why. That's telling them, Jack. And furthermore... They're a thrifty buy in the big 12-ounce economy size package, and they're not rationed. Either. <laughs> Jack. And another thing. I met a sailor friend of mine here, and he told me that he likes to start his day with a big bowl of grape nuts flakes because, because his motto is, eat a good breakfast, be a better gob. Yes, sir. And do you realize that grape nuts flakes are an American favorite? Why? Why? Are you crazy? No, I'm London, manager of the St. Francis Now, where were we before he came in? I was a bum. Oh, yes, yes. No, 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 Dennis, you're not a bum. And let's not start that again. Let's get on with the... I'll take it. Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny, this is Rochester. 
Rochester, what's the idea of calling me long distance from Beverly Hills? I'm making out my income tax and I'm stuck. What's, what's sticking you? The first line. <laughs> the one that says gross income. What's that? Well, that means your entire income. <laughs> For example, Rochester, I pay you 2000 a year. That means your gross income is $2,000. $2,000? Yes. Boss, is that theoretical, hypothetical, or did the operator give me the wrong number? <laughs> Don't worry, you haven't got the wrong number. Now look, Rochester, in figuring your income tax, put down all you made, then list your deductions, such as contributions, donations, bad investments. Bad investments? Does that include money lost while on bended knee? <laughs> doesn't. has nothing to do with shooting crafts. Anyway, I thought you told me Lady Luck always smiles at you. She does, but yesterday she forgot to use Ethereum. <laughs> well, it serves you right for playing with strangers. This wasn't a stranger, boss. You know my friend Sam? Yes. Well, he's got the only paradise you can locate with radar. <laughs> teach you a lesson. Uh-huh. Yesterday's show was a bad day for us. Us? Yeah, that green sport coat of yours fits Sam perfectly. <laughs> Rochester, you mean to say you lost my sport coat in a crap game? I couldn't help it, boss. You couldn't help it? You had the nerve to gamble with my coat? I was trying to win back your tuxedo. <laughs> Rochester, you better have my clothes back by the time I come home. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, say, boss. Now what? Uh, if you go to another launching, will you do me a favor? Sure. What is it? Bring me back two cases of fish. Two cases of fish? Yeah, yeah. And when you pull out the hooks, uh, uh, clock up the holes. I don't want to lose any of it. Okay, I will. Goodbye. Goodbye. Darn it, every time I go away, It, it really seems a shame Jack didn't uh, had to go all, through all that trouble about getting a room. Yes, it was too bad, Don. What could I do? Well, uh, frankly, you should have consulted me. You mean you have the answer? Right. You should have put Jack in a breakfast room. Well, well, that never occurred to me. Next time, I will. And with a great big bowl of Molly rich toasty brown grape nuts flakes. Why, of course. That goes without saying. And you know grape nuts flakes are a whole grain cereal, chucked full of all-around whole grain nourishment. One type of nourishment nutrition experts say we need every day. And delicate, toasty brown grape nuts flakes taste so swell, everybody goes for them. They have a molly rich flavor, a crisp, distinctive texture that makes them tops for breakfast pleasure. So, friends, <laughs> if you always want to be able to get a hotel room, eat a good breakfast, do a better job, and make tempting sweet as a nut grape nuts flakes your favorite dish. I want to thank Captain Champion, Commander Walker, Lieutenant Tyser, and all the men here at the Livermore Naval Air Station for another swell day. And now, just another word. Uh, President Roosevelt, in a recent statement, urged every young American who will be a high school graduate by July 1st 
to investigate the Army and Navy Reserve Program immediately. It is of the greatest importance to the nation that as many as possible take the March 15th examination. For those who properly qualify in this age group, the Enlisted Reserve Program provides the best possible opportunity for them to serve their country. These tests will be held in your local high school at 9 o'clock Wednesday morning, March 15th. Thank you and good night. Oh, hi, dear grocer mother, get hot grape nuts wheat meal, and say, it's so tempting, so hot.